image comes to your mind. Think about some scenes um, from Jesus' life. Think about the day that Jesus was crucified. He's under the control of Rome. He has no real free will at the moment. Um, They're forcing him to carry his cross. They nail him with spikes in his hands and his feet, and they hoist him up into the air to slowly suffocate. What what do we think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus at the time? Do you you see him as, in your mind, as weak? Do you see him as defeated at that time? That's what the onlookers thought. His own followers, that's what they thought. They thought, you know what? We thought we were following this guy. He was going to be... the, the king, he's going to be the overthrowed Rome, and here he is like a common criminal. Matter of fact, he was nailed between two common criminals, and he, was, he looked defeated. Is that what we think about when we think of Jesus? How about the scene when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, who was one of his inner circle, one of his twelve, and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus betrays him with all things with a kiss. He says, well, the one that I kiss, that's the one you should take. And at that very moment when, when, he just, when he betrays him with a kiss and they're going to take Jesus away, one of, the, one of the followers of Jesus takes out a sword and he tries to cut off the head of a person who's going to take him. And instead he cuts off his ear. Remember what Jesus does? Jesus says the, to that person, put your sword away. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And um, he says, don't you understand something? If I wanted to, I could call 6,000 angels to fight for me. But he didn't do it, did he? Instead, he looked at, let them arrest him and eventually kill him. And the question is, what does that make us think about Jesus? Was he a weakling? Was he somebody who just gave up? He could have accomplished through military might all the things that he thought was right. Was he a weakling? Or was he maybe this? Was he a term we don't use very much anymore? Was Jesus meek? I think meek is a forgotten uh, quality in our culture. Meekness means strength under power. Was it maybe the ultimate expression of strength under power? That he said, I could have called 6,000 angels to set me free and to to fight for me, but instead I I let evil men kill me. Or maybe you look at Jesus and you think, you know what, he's just foolish, that if you were in his place and you had the ability to muster the strength to win against an opponent, you would do all you had to do to muster the strength to win against an opponent. The question is, or to think about this, what we think The picture we have of Jesus in our mind matters. Do we see him as strong? Do we see him as weak? What do we see Jesus like? And I would say this. I think probably Satan's number one assault against mankind today is to get us to misunderstand who Jesus is. To either make him very small, make him weak, or just make, him, just make him into a nice guy. You know what I think Satan, one of, his, one of the things he'd like to make him into in our minds? He looks like a toothless lion. You know, a lion's beautiful and a lion looks courageous, but a lion that's toothless isn't very scary, is it? And I think that's kind of the way Satan would like us to think about Jesus, kind of a, a toothless lion, something, something that he really isn't. Well, as we've been going through these books, the, the chapters in Luke, if you're visiting with us, we're going through Luke chapter by chapter. Today we come to Luke chapter 8, and what Luke's trying to do in chapter 8 is he wants to help us to have an accurate picture of who Jesus really is. Let's remember as we've been going through this, this is, this is Dr. Luke doing his best under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 
to clearly explain who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what effect that has on you and me. So in chapter 8, Luke is on a mission. He's on a mission to help us understand about the truth about who Jesus is. And this is, I think, if Luke wanted to boil down chapter 8 to, to one little statement, he'd say this. He would say, Jesus is greater. This is what he would say. I had these buttons made. As a matter of fact, when you leave today, you can grab one on the way out. There should be a picture of it up here. Jesus is greater. That's not an arrow. Somebody said, Jesus is going somewhere. And I said, well, Jesus is going somewhere. But when I designed this, Jesus is greater than, not Jesus is less than. That Jesus is greater. And that's what um, Luke is trying to very intentionally teach us in chapter 8. He is very intentionally going to show us that Jesus is greater than anything and everything. Luke does this in a very, in a very clear way. He does this um, by recounting four miraculous stories about Jesus. And each one of the stories is showing us that Jesus is greater than something else. He's going to say he's greater than one thing, then he's greater than another thing, then he's greater than another thing, and he's greater than another thing. Luke's goal is for us to understand that Jesus is the ultimate authority, that he is greater than everything and anything. And I think this, that Jesus is not a toothless lion, but he's a lion and he's the ultimate authority. So let's read these four stories from Luke's uh, recounting them and ask ourselves, what um, do they say Jesus is greater than? And we'll take them a story at a time. So Luke chapter 8, and once again, as we've been doing this a little different as we're going through Luke, we're reading a lot larger portions of Scripture. So we'll take a kind of section at a time right now. So Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 22, let's look at this first story. And then I want you to be paying attention to what is it saying Jesus is greater than? It says, now on one of those days, you ever have one of those days? It's just one of those days. On one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? And we'll stop right there. So here's the question for you to answer for me this morning. What is Luke saying that Jesus is greater than in this particular story? I hear it. The wind, the waves, nature, creation. Jesus is greater, all those things. The wind, the waves, he's greater than nature. He can speak to a storm and it will stop. Can I tell you a, a, tr a true life story? Honest happened, honestly happened. One day, maybe I've told you the story in the past, is we lived in Michigan, we were planting a church, and a big storm, we, I was painting the outside of my house, and um, a storm popped up. We lived right on the side of Lake Superior, and it was kind of hard to predict the weather there, and you wouldn't start painting if it was going to start the storm, but a storm popped up, and I could see it coming at us as clouds, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm in the middle of painting the outside of my house. And Josh was, I don't know, he's a little guy, because we left there, you were nine, so it was before you were nine. He said, Dad, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. And he crawls up the ladder, 
And it says, God is my witness. He looks at the storm and he goes, peace, be still. And he says, don't worry about it, Dad. And God is my witness. That storm parted and went around our house. We never got a drop of rain at our house. Everybody else got rained on and we didn't. The faith of a child. Um, That's what Jesus did. Peace, be still. And the storm is gone. And he he had showing he has greater than nature. And look at the response when, they, when he calmed the sea. Look what he said. Who is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Jesus is revealing something about himself here. He's not just any man. No, he is above creation. He is, in fact, the creator and the sustainer of all creation. The apostle Paul understood this about Jesus. And I want you to hear what he said to the church at the Colossian church about Jesus. He said, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Think about what Luke and Paul are wanting to communicate to us. To those that they are writing to, people who would have, who would have believed that God is the creator. He's writing to Jewish people who are living in, in Colossae. And he's saying, and he's also writing to us, people who believe that God is the creator and sustainer of life. Now he's saying that Jesus is the creator, the one who controls creation, even the storms, the wind, and the, and the, and the waves. So what could their conclusion have been? What would their conclusion have to have been in that situation? They had to say, Jesus is God. As such, Jesus is greater than creation. Jesus is God. So that's the first thing. He's greater than creation. The first thing that Luke says that Jesus is greater than is creation. What does he say he's greater than next? Let's go on to the next story. Jesus is greater than what we're going to see? Than than the the spiritual realm, than anything dark and evil. Jesus is greater than. Look at verse 26. It says, So they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is the opposite of Galilee. And when they came out into the land, he met a man by, from a city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. And he was, living in the, he was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. And he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many demons, have entered him. They implored him not to command them to go away into the abyss, Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the men and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out out in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demon had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen him, and it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. 
And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him, but he sent him away saying this, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming out the whole, throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So there's something really important for us to understand here. Matter of fact, I think it's something that in the church world we're beginning to misunderstand and we really do need to, re, we need to wrestle with and get again. In the spiritual world, there are not two equal opposing forces. There is not good versus evil and they're equal and opposing. There's an idea that that's communicated from Taoism that communicates this idea. And we have a symbol up here called yin-yang. You guys familiar with the symbol we're going to put up there, right there? You ever see this before? Do any of you have it tattooed on you? I hope not. Because if you did, hopefully you did it before you knew Jesus, and we could make it into something, turn it sideways, make it into a smiley face or something. I'm not sure what. But this is kind of a symbol that's, that's um, hip today. Can I, is it, does it really sound not hip to say hip? What would I say? Relevant. It's really relevant today. Um, that people want to look at spirituality like this. Spirituality is two equal opposing forces. There is a side that is good and a side that is evil, and they're equal and opposing, and the universe functions like this. When we lived in Cambodia, this is kind of a th- common thought, um, the Eastern mindset, that yin-yang um, idea of spirituality. And a lot of people in our culture today really have this kind of concept um, of, of the spiritual forces. That they, and a lot of people do believe in spiritual forces in the world today. And this is how they look at it. Well, we need to understand something that, this, that Luke is trying to tell us on purpose here. That Jesus is never equal to or inferior to the devil or any of his forces. He created the angels, that event, that some of those angels that rebelled and sinned, which are now the spiritual evil realm that there is. And he will one day destroy them all that they are in no way equal to Jesus. Jesus is in no way intimidated by them, that he is greater than the spiritual realm. No one could help that demon-possessed man. They shackled him, it says. They, They bound him. They put him in chains. They tried to control him. They could not do anything for him, and they tried with everything they had. But along comes Jesus, and he sets them free. Why? Because Jesus is greater than greater than any spiritual darkness or force in this universe. Listen to what John said about the future of the devil and his evil forces in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, John says this, The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are also, and they will be tormented there day and night forever and ever. That's the future of evil. It's not, it's not Jesus hoping one day to, to maybe eke out a battle. No, it says their future is set. They're going to be destroyed forever. Do you think um, that we, ones who are hidden in Christ in God, according to Colossians 3, we are hidden in Christ in God, do you think we ever need to be afraid of Satan or his demonic forces? No, because Jesus is greater. 
Jesus is greater than. Jesus lives in us. The devil is defeated and will be completely destroyed one day. Friends, the Bible tells us greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world because Jesus is greater. Say that with me once. Jesus is greater. That's the truth. Jesus is greater. So Jesus, Luke is trying to show something. He's okay. He's, he's, he's greater than creation. He's greater than the spiritual realm. But then he goes on, and Jesus is greater than, he's going to say now, than sickness and disease. And we're actually going to read the next two stories together and then break out the two different things that Jesus says. So look at verse 40. We'll read the next of the stories that Luke's. Remember, Luke is on purpose trying to make a point in chapter 8. Remember, the chapter markers weren't here when he wrote the story. But in this thing, he shows four distinct stories that are all trying to say, Jesus is greater so that we get it. Starting in verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had, he, he had his only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had, had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people and the reasons why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. And when he came to the house, he didn't allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. And when they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died but is asleep. And he began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. And he, however, took her by the hand and calling, called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given to her. And her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. All right. Here's this woman. She had been sick for 12 years, and the doctors could not heal her. And what happens again? Along comes Jesus in the crowd, and she simply touches the friend of his, fringe of his cloak, and immediately she is healed. Now, I want you to notice something that Luke is doing very intentionally here in each one of the stories to this point. He is retelling stories about Jesus that were extreme cases or impossibilities. He's not saying, I'm lengthening somebody's leg here, or they have a headache, and it went away. These are extreme cases of situations in people's life that are impossibilities. The storm, it says, was what? It was fierce. The demons were what? They were legion 
because he says there were many. The sickness, it says, was incurable, even though the doctors had tried everything they knew how to do for 12 years. Luke is taking the most severe situations in human life and showing us that Jesus is greater. And think about something. What is the most precious thing that a person has outside of their faith? The most precious thing anybody has outside of their faith in Christ is one thing and one thing only, their health. It's the one thing. I had to try to figure out this morning if I could preach a sermon because the doctors blasted my kidney stone out and the doctor said, Mark, you're not going to be able to preach on Sunday. You're going to be out of it and it's not going to work. Well, praise the Lord, he was wrong and I'm here, you know. But you know what? Your health is the most precious thing. You know what I figured out this morning? Those steps are tall. I never thought those steps were tall before. But they were tall when I had to step up those steps this morning because, you know, I had been through a procedure. Your health is your most precious thing. A few weeks ago, we talked about suffering. We brought two people up on stage, Suzanne and Robin, who have been going through long-term medical illnesses and suffering. And, and we, when they were up here and the three of us talked, we, we heard from them that the one thing that if it's stripped away stops everything in its tracks is your health. We found that your health is the most important, precious thing that you have. If, you could, if we could have talked to Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, and I watched an interview about him and read an article about him, I was going to try to bring it in, but I thought I could just explain it this way and ask him this question right before he died. What is the most important thing in life? Here's a man who is not a believer in Jesus. What was the most important thing in life? He would have told us the day before he died that he would trade all of his fortune and all of his fame. Because I think for him that was probably even more important because he was the guy who's got an, who's got a an iPhone with him or an Apple Watch. He's the guy responsible. He changed our world. He literally is the man who changed the world. One of many, but he's the, the, one of the foreigners that changed the world. And he would have told you, I'd given you all my fame and all my fortune and all the publicity and all the accolades for his health because guess what? Pancreatic cancer took his life you know, well, way earlier than he ever would have imagined. Those, all those accolades were of no value once he was gone. So Luke wants to remind us of who Jesus really is. And he says, listen, he's greater than creation, yes. He's greater than the, he's, he's greater than the, the demonic forces, yes. But he's saying, listen, I want you to understand. He's even greater than sickness and disease. Now, I know some of us in here are battling sickness and disease. We've talked about that quite a bit lately. And I know that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why it seems why some are healed instantly or doctors fix it instantly, and others, I've not yet experienced that. I don't have the answers to that. And guess what? I don't have to have the answers to that. But this is what I know to be true. Jesus is greater than sickness and disease. And Jesus still heals the sick. I've experienced it miraculously in my own body when the doctor said it was impossible in the past and God healed me. And I've witnessed healing with my own eyes when the doctor said it couldn't happen and God instantly, miraculously healed people. So this is what I know. I will ask and I'll keep on asking for your healing. And you will ask and keep on asking for healing. Because Jesus is greater than sickness and disease. Luke is trying to show, he's saying, listen, the greatest fear that you have, 
the sickness and disease, the thing that can derail everything. You can have all your plans laid out. And along comes a diagnosis. He's saying, listen, Jesus is greater than that. And that brings us to the, to the fourth one. It was in the story that we read. And it's even one step further than sickness and disease. Jesus is greater than creation. Jesus is greater than spiritual evil. Jesus is greater than sickness and disease. But Jesus is greater than death. Jairus' daughter was sick. So sick that she died while Jesus was on the way to her home to see her. And Jesus tells the mourners that she's just asleep and they begin to laugh at him. But he takes the child by the hand and he says to the child, Child, arise. And she does. And Luke is saying, listen, friends, he's not only greater than sickness and disease, Jesus is greater than death. See, in the very beginning of God's relationship with man, God says you could, they could eat Adam and Eve, they could eat of any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. God said, if you eat it, you will die. And man chooses to reject God's way. Man chooses to sin by rejecting God's his, his, his rules for them. And they ate it and they died. And death has been the curse upon mankind ever since. We all are part of the sin corruption of the world. And so we all will die physically. Death is the ultimate enemy of mankind. But along comes Jesus. And he raises this little girl from death. And what's he trying to say? He says, listen, I'm even greater than the ultimate enemy of mankind. I am greater than death. See, not too many years from that day, from that day that Jesus raised that little girl from the dead, evil men would take Jesus and they would arrest him and they would nail him to a cross and he would die. But what happened on the third day? He rose again. Friends, Jesus is greater than death. Church, church, Jesus' defeating death is more than a nice historical fact. It changes everything about your future. Jesus being risen from the dead. Listen to what Paul says about this in Romans chapter 6. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Death's not the end for us. Death is not the final word for the Christian. We are in Christ, and as he rose from the dead, so shall we to live eternally with a resurrected body. No more kidney stones. No more fill in the blank, whatever it is. The Christian will live forever with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is greater than death. Sure, these bodies will someday die. They're all going to, unless we're still alive at the rapture, and then they're going to die and be changed. But not for long will we, will we be in that state of death. We will be resurrected to eternal life and we will get resurrected bodies to live forever with the Lord in a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because Jesus is greater than death. Friends, look at what Luke is doing in chapter 8. He's trying to get us to understand Jesus isn't a toothless lion. Jesus is greater than anything and everything that mankind will ever encounter. Anything. Do we ever need to fear 
evil or sickness or death? No. Do we ever need to feel fear, evil, or sickness, or death? Whatever this world may have in front of us, do we ever need to fear it? No. Because Jesus is greater. You know what? When you walk out of here today, if you want, grab one of the buttons that's at the Connection Center and put that on somewhere. Put it on your coat. Put it on somewhere. Stick it on your whatever. Pin it on something. Why? Because a day is coming when you have to remember what Luke is saying in chapter 8. When the diagnosis is going to come and the news is going to come over the phone or the fear is going to rise up because in all these situations, they're on the boat when it says, they became afraid. In all these situations, it says Jesus is, and they were frightened. A human natural reaction is to be afraid of what we don't understand. But what I want you to understand is we don't need to be afraid because Jesus is greater. And I want us to be reminded every day in our lives when the world seems like sometimes it's haywire that we don't need to be afraid because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The enemy might want to be, make us afraid. The God is going to challenge you to do things in your life that seem impossible. And the enemy is going to say, oh, you can't do that, you should be afraid. We need to understand, Luke is trying to tell us, there's nothing you need to be afraid of because Jesus is greater. He's not a toothless lion. He's a roaring king. And he's greater. And he's just not out there sitting on a cloud somewhere. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in power. And his spirit dwells within us. And he says that we dwell within him. The idea of the Trinity is that God has expanded that relationship of the Trinity through the incarnation. And he has welcomed us into the reality of the power of the Trinity. And we live in that. We live in that relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, our hope of glory. We live in power. We don't need to be afraid of anything because Jesus is greater. And I want us to walk out of this place today remembering that no matter what comes our way, the answer is not fear. The answer is faith. I don't always understand how it works, but I know this, that ultimately this, in Christ I win. In Christ you win. Why? Because Jesus is greater. He's greater than any storm. He's greater than any sickness. He's greater than any evil He's greater than any, any, any disease. He's greater than death itself. Because Luke, in chapter 8, is trying to say, listen, can you think of anything else that could possibly scare you more? The answer is no. Any possible thing that could affect man, Luke spells out in 8 and says, Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater. Friends, what's Jesus? He's greater. He's greater than anything. Would you do something with me this morning? Our worship team, whoever coming up, would come up. I want you just to, maybe a little uncomfortable, close your eyes for a second. And just lift up your hands if you would do that. Jesus, you're greater. Jesus, you are greater than anything and everything in this world. Lord, we recognize today that, Lord, in Christ, we have nothing to fear. That Lord, that, that old saying, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. We don't have fear to fear because you are greater. And Lord, we ask you. Lord, we ask you if you would, to, we welcome you to show us your goodness and your, your wonder and your power today. You raise the dead. You heal the sick. Lord, you conquer the storms all because of who you are. 
And Lord, you are just as real today. And we say yes to you. Help us to be people who walk in faith, not fear. Because of who you are. Not because of who we are. But because of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. We receive that today. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know what needs you have in your life, but I know this. Jesus is greater. If there's things in your life that you want to come and say, Jesus, before I walk out those doors, I want to come and surrender them to you. And I'm going to ask you to heal my disease or, or take care of my fear or whatever it is. I'm going to invite you to come down and find a place to pray. And you're not going to be looking to me. You're going to be looking to him. I'll pray with you. Others will pray with you. But you're looking to Jesus. Because did it say that Mark is, does it say Mark is greater? Did it say any pastor is greater, any man is greater? No. If it said that, I'd want you to take me out and punch me in my sore kidney right now. But it doesn't say that. It says Jesus is greater. So if there's something going on in your life that you need, a, you need the miracle, come and ask Jesus. When you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, then you...